Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. It says, when the apostles returned, remember what they're coming back from. They have just gone out. Jesus has just sent out the twelve to do his work. Remember, his work was preaching the kingdom of God and healing the hurting. They've just come back from that. It says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it, and they followed him. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him, and they said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to, to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Ah, Great stuff here. I'm going to give you three things, share with you three things I think this text uh, really reveals to us. And and here's the first. You've heard this one before, but I just think it's it's of huge importance to repeat. I want you to see first and foremost this morning that when we eat with Jesus, there are always leftovers. When we eat with Jesus, there are always leftovers leftovers. Look at verse uh, 16 and 17. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. And then he gave them to, to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I, I love that phrase. They all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. That word in the Greek means they were all full. They were all content. Every single person that was there. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of, of leftovers. So they, all 5,000 plus, right? It's, it's 5,000 men. Those are the only people that were counted. All 5,000 plus are going to share in a meal. And that meal consists of five small barley loaves. That was called poor man's bread. So five small uh, uh, poor man's bread loaves and two small fish. And and, and this is what um, seven, 10,000 people, if we include the women and the children. And we know there are children and women there because that's where we get the lunch from, right? From a young boy. And and, and, and so here we go. Seven, 10,000 people are going to share five poor man loaves and two small fish. But again, they're not eating alone eating with Jesus. And so Jesus takes this sack lunch of a poor boy and he does the unthinkable. He takes this meager meal and he multiplies it into an abundant feast of fish and bread. So much so that everyone present eats and is full. They eat and they are are full. They are completely satisfied. And there are still 12 large basketfuls of leftovers 
one for each of those doubting disciples. <laughs> I've shared this principle with you before, back when we were in the book of Hebrews. That's why it sounds familiar. It was a long time ago. It was Hebrews chapter 5. We said Jesus is a better meal. And when we taught this principle, one of the things that I shared with you is this truth about teachers that, that, that eating with Jesus is the key to teaching others. See, if you go back and you look at Hebrews 5, the author is holding something against the readers. He's saying to the readers, listen, you guys should all be teachers at this point. You should all be teaching the word of God at this point, And yet you're asking me to, to reteach you the basic foundational truths of following Jesus. You should be teaching it, he says. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Our churches are full of, of, of Christianity. It is, is full of people clamoring, saying, saying, but we need you to teach us the basics of faith. The foundational thing. The church is, is full of people, yet, yet we, we constantly have to beg and plead to get somebody to teach a Sunday school class. Or, or even worse, children's church. Friends, I love you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But if you can't teach a three-year-old, four-year-old, or five-year-old something about Jesus, something is definitely wrong with your spiritual walk with Christ. It's broken. If you don't have enough knowledge to share with a three-year-old, a four-year-old, or a five-year-old something about Jesus Christ, then you're not eating with God. You're not eating with Jesus. You don't have any leftovers to share, right? We shouldn't have to do that. And I'll just tell you right now, you should come see me after service because we need some more children's church people. We've got, we've got people that have served all year long, all year long in the 11 o'clock. It's only one service. You know what? We have enough people. It would, it would be maybe two, three Sundays a year for you. Just three Sundays a year, right? We have vacation Bible school coming up. So I, I, I can't, I'm not a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher. If you eat with Jesus, you've got something to share. Be a sharer. Let's change the title. Just be a sharer of some of the food that he has given you, right? See, pastors, Sunday school teachers, this is, this is their key. Small group leaders. They're not great, wonderful, miraculous teachers. They have to spend time studying. And so they spend time eating with Jesus. And when you eat with Jesus, there's always leftovers. That's one of the heartbreaking things as a pastor, that people show up in church and they're so hungry. I mean, they're licking their lips. They're begging for more. Pastor, I want more. I want more. And I'm, like, I'm just like, in, in my mind, in my heart, I'm just like, if you only knew what the meal tasted like the first time. I know the leftovers are good, but let me tell you, the real deal, when you sit down at the table and it comes out piping hot, man, nothing, nothing can replace that. And no matter how hard a pastor or a teacher or a small group leader may try, we all know there is no way that we can replicate that original feast. There's no way. We can do our best. Those leftovers often taste good, but it's just not the same thing. See, what the church is missing today is the same thing that it was missing hundreds of years ago. It's missing people that understand this principle. When you eat with Jesus, there are always leftovers. And, and not just a few. Basketfuls of, of, of knowledge. Basketfuls of truth. Basketfuls of lessons. <laughs> when you eat with the master, there's always plenty left over. To share. Always. 
always. And so we just start here. It's just one of those foundational truths. Guys, if we knew this, things would radically change. There'd never be any more, you know, begging and pleading with, with people to, to, to teach a class or to lead a small group or to help out with children's church or to sign up for vacation Bible school. I wouldn't have to beg with people, go talk to your neighbor. We would be doing those things naturally. Why? Because we've got such an abundance, we, we're, we're afraid to let it go to waste. That should be the mindset of every believer in Jesus, shouldn't it? You think about it. When's the last time you were a part of a great feast? When's the last time? What, was, it a, was it a church feast? Did you have a family feast maybe over at your house? Maybe it was at the Carter's house. Every time I'm at the Carter's house, I'll tell you what. I don't even know what you guys do with all the leftovers, Jeff. I'm sure there's a small village somewhere that gets fed, right? What, what, what was the last great feast you were at? And it was over and everybody had eaten. That sounds like small group, doesn't it, Chris? Every time we have small group, it's like that. We have bukus of food. What did you do? When it was done, you didn't throw that stuff away. You, you tried to pack it up. You tried to send it home. Oh my gosh, look at all this food we've got. You see it? It's the same way. When we spend time with Jesus, there's such an abundance that, that that thing in your heart, you're like, it would not be right to let this go to waste. I've got to share it with somebody. This is the key to discipleship. This is the key to teaching others. We have to spend time with Jesus ourselves. And when we do... There's going to be such an abundance of knowledge and wisdom that we're, we're not going to be able to help but sh- go out and share it. We're not going to want it to go to waste, okay? When we eat with Jesus, there's always leftovers. Number two, I want you to see this this morning. <clears throat> the Lord supplies so that we can serve. The Lord supplies so that we can serve. Uh, verse 13, I'm going to read down through 17. He replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, but we, we have only five loaves of bread and, and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I really want you to catch this this morning. It was always Jesus' intent for the disciples to be the ones serving the people. I'm going to say that again because maybe you messed up. In this passage, it was always Jesus' intent for the disciples to be the ones serving the people, not him. Don't believe me? Look at verse 13. What does he say? So, so, so the disciples come to him with a problem. They're like, Lord, we've been here all day. Right? And, and, and if you didn't notice, we're kind of in a remote place. And there's not a Walmart or a McDonald's or, or even a Holiday Inn nearby. And so I think it's time, Lord Jesus, that we send the people away and let them go get something to eat. And oh, by the way, we're kind of hungry too. And Jesus looks at them, they they present the problem, and he looks at them with the solution. Immediately, you feed them. You. You're going to feed them. You're going to do it. Not me. You. You're going to feed them. Now, what did they just done? 
What they just done? They just gone and done the work of Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. They preached the kingdom of God, which they didn't feel like they were equipped for. They they healed the hurting, which they definitely didn't feel like they were equipped for, driving out demons and curing the sick. I mean, they just did all this stuff that they didn't feel like they were equipped for. And so now here again, there's a mass of people. Jesus, there's no food. What are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to supply you, and you're going to do it. You're going to feed them. And that's what he does, right? He takes a meager meal and he says, listen, this is going to be helpful for you disciples. Why don't you have them group out in about 50 folks or so? And so they sit down in 50 and he just said, it's going to help you serve them, okay? I'm setting you up. But you just have them sit down in groups of about 50. Now, now let's do a little math here. Um, so about 10,000 people, we include the women and the children. And if they're in groups of 50, I believe that's 200 groups of people. And there's 12 disciples. Do a little math, that's probably 16 to 17 trips if they can feed 50 at a time, which I don't think they can even carry that much. So, so, so let's imagine they could. That's 16 to 17 trips, okay? If, if they couldn't, then we start multiplying that. Then it's 32 trips or 45 trips, right? Each disciple, each disciple. Over and over and over. And Jesus put them in these groups. And, and then Jesus supplies all that they need. He takes, he takes the poor man, the five loaves. And he takes the two fish. And he begins to multiply them. He is supplying it. But he is not serving it. He supplies it. But then he gives it to the disciples. And they're the ones that are supposed to serve the people. That's what he intends for them to do. So he supplies the food and... So that they can serve. And I want you to see this. This is what it looks like. Ready? It's from Jesus to the people. How many trips? I mean, at the least, 16 and a half? At the least. Probably closer to 30, maybe 45. Go to Jesus and get full. Go to the people, empty yourself. Go to Jesus and get full. Go to the people, Empty yourself. Go to Jesus and get full. Go to the people. And why is this important? These are the people that are going to change the world. These are the 12 guys that are going to wreck. Like eternity is going to change because these 12 men. And this is a hugely important lesson. So you go to Jesus and you get full. And then you go to the people and you empty yourself. And you go to Jesus and you get full and you go to the people and you empty. And by the time the day is over and they are worn out and they are weary, I promise they've learned something. Jesus is the source. He's the place you get full. But you don't get full for just, just to eat yourself. That's, that's not the point, right? That provision comes with a purpose. You get full so that you can feed others. That day, if there was nothing else they learned, they learned that day that you go to Jesus to get full so that you can serve people. So that you can serve people. Listen, you've been struggling with your quiet time and you thought it was just about you. No, my friend. Thought it was just about your personal growth, didn't you? Oh, well, it's just me I'm affecting. Nope. You're not just affecting you. You're not just affecting your spouse and your children, you're affecting them too. But you've got nothing to feed a starving world. It's a problem. It's a problem. Listen. Listen. Jesus supplies so that we can serve. The church should be the one place full 
of servants. Right? Now, the PTA should struggle. Right? <laughs> okay? They should struggle. I mean, they, they should. You, you want to find a substitute teacher? Uh, no, you take those problem kids and, and go tie them up somewhere, and then I will substitute. Right? I mean, those places should struggle. Okay? Youth Soccer Association, the Baseball Association, they should struggle to find volunteers, but they don't seem to be. But you walk through these doors, and by golly, you can't get anybody to do a thing. Right? We're broken. We are broken. Jesus does not supply so that we can sit and soak. He supplies so that we can get full and share that fullness with others. When's the last time you left a sponge out? Anybody do that recently? Have a sponge sitting in the sink and you forgot about it? What happened when that thing dried up and you didn't wring it out? It smelled nasty, didn't it? You didn't even know where the smell was coming from and then suddenly you came up to Gosh, there's no hope for that sponge, right? You throw that away, I hope. In my house, that's just done. I'm not going to try to make that work again. Either be hot or cold. Either be hot or cold. Jesus fills us so that we can serve. We're meant to be wrung out on this world, on these people, on our community. If there's no outlet, we become the Dead Sea. Okay? Last thing I'll share with you, and uh, it's another big one. It, it's right in line. Listen, I'm not trying to step on any toes this morning. This is, this is really for me first. I want you to see this morning that we're not always as empty as we feel. We're not always as empty as we feel. Look at verse 10, and then at the end of verse 11, at verse 10, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. They have just had one heck of a period of ministry. Then he, took with, uh, then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves. Verse 12 says they withdrew to a remote place. So the disciples just returned from, from doing the work of Jesus. I, I mean, they, they were preaching the kingdom. They were healing the hurting. Uh, they, they got to share in his purpose and in his power. Uh, they, they were allowed to, to take nothing with them, remember? So you can't take anything extra. They, they learned that in Jesus, they know enough, they have enough, and they are enough. And they've gone out and they've poured themselves out. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you've ever done something, like you are exhausted when you get out, but it is a great exhaustion. They are tired. They come back. They tell Jesus all that's happened. I'm telling you, these guys are empty. They are, they are worn out. They are exhausted. This was difficult, exhausting work. And Jesus, seeing all that they have done, he loves them. And he grabs them and says, hey, let's get away for a little bit. Let's withdraw, right? We're, we're going to withdraw. I'm, I'm going to give you some, some rest, some time to recharge. There's only one problem. The crowds have heard where they're headed. And so they show up. No rest for the weary. No rest for the weary. But I want you to see how Jesus responds. And then I want you to see what he says to these worn out, weary warriors. Because it's interesting. First, first, I want you to see how, how he responds. Look at verse 11. It says, but the crowds learned about it and they followed him. And get this, he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Jesus was not upset that the crowds were there. He wasn't mad that, that their, their plan for rest didn't go off like it was supposed to. He, he was welcoming at an opportunity 
to preach the kingdom of God and to help people that were hurting. Are you welcoming when your plans get changed? You excited about those divine opportunities? Those moments when all you, I just need some rest. A day all to myself and somebody rings the doorbell. Doesn't that make you want to shout hallelujah? And it went on all day. Verse 12 says it was late in the day when the disciples came to Jesus. They're a little, again, they're tired, they're worn out, they're ready to be done with this. And it's then that Jesus gives them instruction. Now listen, he's instructing people that are weary and that are worn out. He's instructing people that think that they're done, that they have nothing left. He's instructing those people. That should talk to a few people here this morning, because many of us, that's where we live. That's our zip code. And this is what Jesus says to people that think that they have nothing left to offer. You give them something to eat. That's what he says. He doesn't doesn't give them any slack. He doesn't say, oh, just put your feet up and do nothing. I got this. He says, I'm going to supply you with what you need. This is a lesson that you need to learn. I am the source. And through me, you can do all things. Even when you don't think you can. So Jesus is going to teach them this lesson of utmost importance. They're exhausted. they're, They're empty. At least that's how they feel. And this lesson that he teaches is one that we need to understand, one that we need to learn to, that God can use a bare cupboard. God can use a a bare cupboard. That's how they feel. They feel empty. They feel bare. They feel like they have nothing left. They feel like the widow that runs to Elisha for help. It's in 2 Kings. Let's turn there. It's 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings is right before First Chronicles. It's first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. From Second Kings chapter four, starting in, in verse one, I love this story. I remember the very first time I read it and how God spoke to my heart. <clears throat> second Kings chapter four. Starting in verse 1, the word of God says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Listen to this. Tell me. What do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars and do not ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your son's. And pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all of the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil 
stopped flowing. She went and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left, some leftovers. I want you to see this. (laughs) Verse 2, that's awesome. He says, what do you have? She says, I've got nothing left. All I have is what's in your house, what's in your cupboard. Man, I don't have anything left in my cupboard. My cupboard is bare. All I've got is just a little bit of oil. And he said, okay, sister, go get some jars. (laughs) She's got to be thinking, man, you're nuts. I, I said, I have a little oil left. And you want me to go get these big wine pots, right? These big water jars hold 30 gallons each. You are crazy. You're out of your mind in obedience. She does. She sends her sons off, right? She thought that she was empty. She thought that her cupboard was bare. But God can do a lot when we have a little left. And so the disciples running on fumes with just a little bit left. Feed seven to 10,000 people running on fumes. I guarantee it's a day that they never forget because it's in every single one of the Gospels. They picked up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. We need to hear this this morning. We are not always as empty as we feel. God can use a bare cupboard. He can do a lot when we have just a little left. I thought this morning as I was reading and praying over our text, I thought maybe seven to 10,000 people will be blessed by the little that we have as a church through our ministry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 10,000 people in this city being blessed because a group of people decided to pour out the little bit that they had left in life? They decided to pour out what they had knowing that God was the source, not themselves. They decided to serve even when they were weary, even when they were tired. They decided to invest in a kingdom that they could not see. I wonder what God could do with a group of people like that. I wonder. I'm going to pray in a second. I'm going to give you some application first, and I'll be quiet. Uh, Just coming out of those lessons that we just learned, uh, the first one would would simply be this. I I, I implore you, I beg you, I encourage you. (laughs) I don't know what other word I can come up with. Uh, Please make sure that you sit down and eat with Jesus. Please, 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 please. When you eat with Jesus, there are always leftovers. And and I want you to keep that thought in your mind that we had a moment ago. Too often we've thought that when we're not reading our Bibles, it's just we're the only ones that are missing out. If we understand the way that it's designed, that when we eat with Jesus, we're always going to have leftovers to share, that changes the way we think about reading our Bible, doesn't it? So I'm not just starving myself when I choose not to read my Bible and to pray. I'm actually starving the people around me that that are dying for nourishment, right? So I want you to think about it this week and take the time. Just make the time. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't don't feel guilty. If you wake up in the morning 
and the phone goes off first thing, and you're off, and you're running, and it's crazy. You know, so, sometimes as Christians, we have just guilted ourselves. We guilt ourselves all the time. Wake up, and I had my coffee, but, 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 but my phone got my attention instead of my Bible. Listen, at some point in the day, though, stop. At some point in the day, we have to say, this insanity, enough is enough. I need to spend time with Jesus. And you just stop, and you spend that time with Jesus, and your day is radically changed. If, if you can do it before the craziness ensues, awesome. That's great. But you know what? If, if, if you wake up, and, and you've got to feed the kids first, and you've got to get them out the door, right? And you don't get to sit and eat with Jesus till 10 o'clock, so be it. Just eat with Jesus. That's, that's the key. That's the key. And when we eat with Jesus, there's always leftovers to share. And that leads into the next point, that, that the goal is to share, remember? Number two, we've got to serve out of our surf, surplus. We've got to. That, that, that's the heart. Why, why does Jesus feed us the way that he does? Why is he so good to us? Why does he speak such truth into our lives? Why does he whisper in our ear, hey, 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 you're a little off track. Let's get this right. Why does he do those kind of things? Because he wants us to share that with others. I, I, early on in my Christian walk, I, I really believe that... Um, you know, a lot of times people will have their, their quiet time and they'll journal something. And, uh, and, and people will keep those thoughts very private, like they'll lock and key it. I never thought that what Jesus shared with me was for me. I, I always thought it was for me first, but I always felt like he was giving it to me so that I could share it with other people. That's the pattern we find in the, in the Bible, right? So, so I encourage you, as you sit and you eat with Jesus, share what you, what you learned that day with somebody. Share it with, with, with your spouse. Share it with your children. Share it with your small group. Email it. Put it on Facebook. Share it with your neighbor. When, when you're in line at the grocery store, and if you go at 5 o'clock, there is going to be a line. Unless you go to Walmart, in which case, you've you got to check yourself out. So uh, there's a line there too. And you serve. You serve out of that surplus. You see those opportunities. You have those chances, those, 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 those moments to talk to somebody. What are you going to share? Are you going to give them your wisdom? I love you people. Some of you, most of you are smarter than me. But friends, let's be honest. We're not very wise, are we? We've been educated in the ways of the world. And I don't know if you've been to school lately, but that's not very smart. <laughs> Have you seen the two leading candidates to become the president of this country? That doesn't give me a lot of confidence about our education system. We're not as wise as we think. But when we eat with Jesus, we have real, divine, godly wisdom to share with the world. Okay? So, so let's get after it. Let's do it. It brings me to the last point when we talk about serving. It's important because I hear on a regular basis, well, I've had my time. I'm done. Sorry, guys. It's been 50 weeks this year. I'm done. I'm done. I don't have any sermons left in me. I'm just done. Just, just done. Next week, you guys, somebody, somebody else will come up and teach. And the week after that, somebody else. And same thing with Sunday school. Jeff, I know you're done. You're done. You've had enough. Done. You know, somebody, somebody we're not going to have coffee this morning because somebody was done. They just couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't, couldn't, right? Listen, guys, I, I love you. But here's the truth. You're not the source of the strength and the power. I, I know that life changes. I know that like, like we need opportunities for others to serve. Like, don't get me wrong, but we should always be doing something. The moment that we start coming to a place like this and we do nothing, 
That's the moment that the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, I don't give you what I give you so you can sit on it and soak it up. I give you what I give you so I can feed you first so that you can go and serve and feed others. That's the deal. We have a lot of jars around here that are empty. We got a lot of positions that need people. And I'll be honest, if God is doing what we believe him to be doing, where we're headed, we're going to cross over uh, 95, <laughs> and, and we're going we're to plant ourselves right next to the high school, and we're going to build the kind of building that we feel like the Lord is calling us to. We'll be sharing details soon. If we're going to do what we believe that God is calling us to do, we better start serving now. We better start filling holes now because it ain't magic. You don't get to build a building and then somebody just mysteriously shows up to staff it because the building is not what is going to draw people. It'll draw some, but you know what's going to draw people? The people that love people, that serve people. And you know what? If we would just all do our job, it would be easy. Children's Church, 52 Sundays, that's all we need. How many people are here this morning? Jeff, you did the count. 91. Let's, let's, say, let's say I need, I need four people a Sunday. That's 200 people. We've got half of it here this morning. Just one Sunday a year. That's it. Just one Sunday. All we got to do is run a background check on you. We'll do it in a heartbeat. And, and you say, I don't know how to teach little kids. Just tell them about Jesus. You don't even have to teach what's in the book. Tell them your favorite Bible story for crying out loud. Talk about Jesus walking on water. Talk about Jesus multiplying a meal, right? I mean, you just, three, four, and five. Teach them the most important Bible lesson you ever learned in your life, and we're golden. And after 30, you know, after, after 15 minutes of that, when they're driving you nuts, take them out to the playground. We're good. It's children's church. We just did it. It's not that hard. VBS. Got to have 150 kids, hopefully, right? We need about 50, 60 folks volunteering at least. It's not hard. You don't have to be there every day. Okay? Come and see us. Sign up. But God has blessed us in order so that we will serve others. This is our calling. We get to, not we got to. We get to be a part. I'll never forget the very first time the Lord used me to lead somebody to Christ. Ever. Ever. I was talking about the purposes of the church, and I'm talking about fellowship. And Colton, red-haired kid, it's like, ah. I, I, I need Jesus in my life. I'm like, we're not talking about salvation right now. We're talking about fellowship, right? In Baptist circles, that's eating. I mean, we're, I'm like, we're just talking about fellowship. And he get, Colton gets saved. I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. The first guy was really right after I got saved. It was one of my good friends. I grew up with him. And I, I'm driving around. I felt the Holy Spirit put him on my mind. And so imagine this. I actually listened to the Holy Spirit. And I went and talked to him that day. He wasn't there. And so I shared with his girlfriend, I'm going to give a testimony at church. I need him to come. So I gave my testimony, and Jared was there. And that morning, right after the testimony, I walked up to him in the middle of a church service. That takes guts, doesn't it? And I said, you need Jesus. And he says, I know I do. He accepted Christ that morning. Right? Nothing, change, like nothing can, can, can fill that kind of void. That's, that's the stuff. And God wants to do that in all of us, not just in some of us. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Lord, um, we 